This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 20th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. A piece of legislation that might have reined in some NSA surveillance failed in the Senate with one questionable no vote. Senator Rand Paul, who has been one of the agency's most vocal critics. Patrick Eddington, a policy analyst in Homeland Security and Civil Liberties at the Cato Institute, analyzes the vote and the legislation. Was this outcome surprising in the Senate? What I found interesting in in, in reviewing some of the coverage on this thing is that um, Majority Leader Harry Reid's folks did not actually conduct a whip operation on this. So they had no idea that Senator Ben Nelson of Florida was not going to vote for this bill. So they started off one vote short, and they didn't know it. And then, of course, you had, you know, Senator Paul, you know, announced that he was not going to go there. And then that turned out to be a critical deficit. And then Senator Grassley also wound up voting no. So those, you take any combination of those two, turn them into yeses, and we'd be debating that bill on the floor of the Senate right now. Rand Paul's vote against uh, this particular legislation uh, seems to have offered a couple of different reasons why. And uh, I know some people were concerned that this wasn't a particularly strong uh, attempt to rein in certain authorities. But what what how do you what do you make of his assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think he was fairly consistent during the course of the week in saying, look, this is actually going to reauthorize three specific Patriot Act provisions that he, Rand Paul, felt should not be reauthorized at all. So it appears that his calculus was, if I don't believe that that this bill is in proper shape at all, then why should it come to the floor? And of course, the counter-argument to that is, that's what a debate process is supposed to be all about, right? And I've, I've seen some coverage, and I, I tend to agree with it, that he kind of missed an opportunity here, right? I mean, if he had simply gone to the floor and said, look, I'm not crazy about this bill in its current form, but that's why I'm going to vote to bring it to the floor so I can correct it. And, you know, I think that was a mistake. What were the authorities in question here? What, what did this legislation actually do? So it was designed to try to essentially put some real checks on NSA's ability to use metadata. I mean, in theory, it was going to end bulk metadata collection and force the government to be a little bit more specific about who they actually wanted to target for surveillance using those, those specific capabilities. It also had, I think, some actually pretty decent uh, foreign intelligence surveillance court reforms, the most important of that being the special advocate. When it's behind closed doors and it's secret, you know, right now, there's nobody there to actually represent the public interest, so to speak, from a civil liberty standpoint. The bill would have probably changed that, but it definitely was not going to address everything. Uh, What are the prospects for the next Congress uh, dealing with this better. This is, of course, a lame duck <laughs> session, and some members uh, of the Senate will not be back. So we have a circumstance where we're still in the lame duck. There's still a prospect, at least, of getting some surveillance reform through the appropriations process. Um, we talked previously about this amendment that was tacked on to the Defense Department spending bill back in June. That's still in the House bill. If we have an omnibus that goes over to the Senate and that amendment stays in, then we at least stop the backdoor searches of, of American stored communications. And we also basically send a message to the government, you can't use taxpayer funds to pressure companies to compromise their products. That's not a complete fix. It would be a good start. It's not a complete fix. 
are we going to get any kind of authorizing legislation, like a permanent fix in 2015? I'm still optimistic that it's possible because those Patriot Act provisions are expiring. And the government, I think, is going to be very desperate to try to keep that roving wiretap authority, which was the last provision of those three that I think is a real concern to folks. And to be candid, changes in technology have made something like that, I think, at least somewhat necessary, but it needs to be properly regulated. So roving wiretap authority is essentially following people rather than individual phone lines yeah, and devices. E yeah, exactly. Because when FISA was originally promulgated in 1978, we, of course, did not have cell phones. We did not have tablets, all the rest of this kind of stuff. So the changes in technology have made it much more challenging for law enforcement, you know, to keep up with folks. So basically what the language says is it doesn't really matter what device or mechanism they're using. If you know the individual you're going after, you have the authority to basically go up on all those particular devices or means. What are the prospects for uh, ending uh, once and for all this idea that once your data goes out into the cloud – uh, it is still part of your property in effect, but the government says you don't have a privacy interest in that. Well, I, I think you know that's going to continue to be a battle as we go forward. And one of the technological responses to this has been the, the emergence of companies like SpiderOak, which I personally happen to use. It uses an encrypted mechanism to store your data in the cloud. And it does so in such a way that if the government serves them with some kind of warrant, essentially all they're going to get back is gibberish. So. Uh, that's one of the trends that we're seeing. Patrick Eddington is a policy analyst in Homeland Security and Civil Liberties at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.